Welcome to Consume for Good. I'm Billy. And I'm Emily. And we're your everyday couple working our way through a plant-based keto lifestyle. Uh, this week we have a continuation of what we were talking about last week, but before we get started, this is us discussing our journey and talking about how we're approaching it. If you think that a plant-based keto lifestyle is for you, please consult an expert to make sure that it is correct before you go down the path. With that said, let's get started with uh, this week's topic. Yeah, so as you said last week, we talked about sort of where veganism comes from, where vegetarianism comes from, and how it sort of got to where it is today. We talked about sort of its links to um, different religions with Hinduism and different cultures being, well, vegetarianism coming from India, what we now call India, um, but also the more new vegan society founded in England, and we kind of talked about that newer trend. So as I mentioned last time, I was going to talk more about who is a vegan now and the image. So I read a couple articles that I thought would be good for us to sort of talk through. And the very first one was talking about sort of how veganism is on the rise. I think with a lot mm-hmm. of with what's going on in the world and as people become more, um, more conscientious of their choices and how they impact the world around us, a lot of a lot more people are choosing to be vegan. Maybe not all the time, but a few meals here and there. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting that I was reading an article that said the number of vegans has doubled across Europe and the US in the last few years. And particularly in the UK, again, the Vegan Society that we talked about last year mm-hmm. had some good stats for us on this. Um, in the UK in 2016, the Vegan Society found that twice as many women as men were vegan. And it's not just the UK that has that statistic. It shows that 79% of vegans in the US also identify as female, hmm. which I was really surprised to hear that it was such a such a divide. I didn't realize it was such a gender divide. Yeah, and I think once we get more into it, it kind of starts to make, make sense why it's such a big gender divide. But I think that it, it's definitely, I would say that health and, and eating has always generally kind of fallen from a standpoint of like, advertising and things like that has always kind of fallen to like a female lens Mm -hmm. so I can understand that sense then probably heavily marketed to and different things veganism isn't really marketed so it's interesting that it that it is but at the end of the day you know we've talked about it many times and a lot of people are doing studies and finding that it's you know it's a very healthy lifestyle so people that are trying to be health conscious Mm -hmm. and you get that added benefit of you know being a better steward of the environment you know, I think for people that are concerned about their impact on the overall environment and the, the global community, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think I was thinking when I read this article, particularly with newer statistics, I mean, how many documentaries have we seen in the last couple mm-hmm. of years come out about like pro athletes turning vegan and how it improves their performance? And most of the athletes in those documentaries that we've watched uh, men. So I think that was sort of my thinking as, as the number increases rapidly. I agree. I think generally diet and health is marketed towards women, but I would have thought with that push on being like the best athlete that you can, you would see the gender divide minimize. And maybe that's something that will happen in the future. Yeah. Well, as these come out and more pro athletes become kind of more ingrained in the plant-based lifestyle and, and see the benefits, you know, it's definitely lends itself to, like you said, uh, more of a performance diet. There's a few documentaries that have come out in the last couple of years that really kind of highlight that. It will be interesting to see if there is an actual shift to kind of a more, you know, 50-50 split when it comes to the demographic of people that are vegan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch those over the next few years. And so like you sort of referenced, there is some pointing to the cause of why 
in the past and looks like currently there's a lot more females who are vegan and then veganism is, itself is often associated with um, feminism as a cause usually it's sort of that environmentalism and feminism does go hand in hand um, I know that's been a big push in the past with um, sort of rallies and protests that those causes quite often are aligned mm -hmm. so I think that also rings true with why more females are vegan yeah, that makes sense yeah but I think the other side of that coin is that like eating meat is still viewed as very masculine right mm, and I think yeah. it's tied to this sort of outdated idea of the masculine identity yeah and that makes sense and and really as kind of society shifts and really starts defining roles of gender and and obviously now we have things or diets or stuff that they do start to kind of go to the wayside because everyone realizes that they're uh, you know, they're kind of silly at the end of the day. Like, you know, you don't have to be manly and eat half a cow, right? <laughs> uh, I think that that is kind of a ridiculous thing. You can still be manly and care about your health. It's it's fine. You're, you know, there's nothing that suggests that eating one way is more manly than another. And I think that that is really kind of the point of, of that. Yeah, I agree. I think it sort of makes sense in your head of like why that eating meat might be associated with a more masculine identity, but in the same sense of like, in a ridiculous way, it does, you see the connection, right? It's mm -hmm. very outdated, very like hunter gatherer sort of <laughs> vibe, right? In, in the very literal sense of hunting. Um, but it, it's one that I had never thought about that before reading that article and just kind of stumbled across it. But like you said, when you read it, it sort of all clicks into place of, why those stereotypes might be there and even the marketing bit I hadn't really thought about that I think women are maybe encouraged more to be healthier and have a better diet whereas I think a lot of people see men as like a lost cause they're just going to do what they're going to do and there's no need to change their habits or there's no way to change them whereas I think women are seen as more open to adjusting and changing which is obviously not true that's not I can't say for each gender one is better at change than the other but um, I can see why that's marketed or even just talked about more by the different like gendered groups of friends, right? Mm -hmm. I think the next sort of step within that, and I've seen a lot of articles recently, so I found one to kind of jump off of, but um, talking about who is a vegan, I think it's important to talk about like who is the image of a vegan because obviously who is actually at home eating vegan food might not be the same as like the stock photo. Um, image of a vegan. I was reading an article from Thrillist and they made a good point of they went to a website and looked through stock photos and were looking through and when you search the term vegan the first three or so pages are women and all white women and I think it's very like for me coming from California and living there it, it is a very specific image of like blonde hair and healthy and does yoga there's a very set vegan image right mm -hmm. yeah suburbs uh, mm -hmm. kind of vibe yeah yeah probably drives a now a tesla or you know 10 <laughs> years ago it would have been a prius a prius yeah <laughs> you know brings her own bags to the grocery store very eco-friendly but still like you said like suburbs upper middle class has that sort of vibe it's important to talk about this because as we talked about last week and hence the importance of talking about it, that's not necessarily the history of veganism, right? Mm -hmm. Middle class white women is not always the history. Um, it's, it's definitely something that over the last few years people have been more and more vocal about the misrepresentation of veganism. Definitely from the gender side, I think they get it right. Most vegans, the image is women, obviously, from what we're talking about. 
but women of color seem to be left out of this image. So the article um, does kind of continue saying that although the vegan society was founded by a white British man, he definitely wasn't the first to invent cruelty-free eating. We talked about um, vegetarianisms and it's, you know, thousands and thousands of years history, how it came from what we now call India, how it's linked to many different religions, and those obviously predate the, what, 1940s. <laughs> um, and it's important to just recognize that, that that current image does sort of disenfranchise people who started it. You know, there are a lot of people that were doing this because they just generally cared or it was part of their religion and it wasn't a big deal right they just mm -hmm. they ate what they needed to eat on a daily basis and now you know it's kind of been given this image and it's been mm -hmm. taken away from a lot of the people that really kind of started the movement with when they weren't even trying to start a movement they were just doing it because it was their lifestyle so it, it is interesting how we're seeing that shift for sure i think it's been politicized in a way where like you're saying a lot of people are just living their lives trying to be as respectful of other beings on the planet as possible. And now it's, like you said, seen as extreme, which I always think is such a bizarre idea. I don't know how you could see anyone eating tofu and vegetables as extreme, <laughs> personally. It's 100%. I think it's it's so true. And a few more um, examples of sort of where veganism now came from and how those communities have been disenfranchised. This article on Thrillist, it was, it was a good sort of overview. I think there's a lot more research to be done, a lot more information, but it was a good starting point. Um, it was saying that, you know, lots of communities, particularly communities of color, um, have lived cruelty-free. One that they sort of pointed to specifically was Rastafarianism uh, developed that cruelty-free lifetime back in the 1930s, so before the Vegan Society in England. And it was this style of eating was brought over from indentured Indian servants. Um, and this sort of leads to that, the main bulk of the article about how this points to that many black communities have had a vegan presence much longer than the rest of us realize. And I think we have talked quite a few times about that being where we are now in Georgia and kind of getting to know our community. And there's so many, um, you know, restaurants, little small places here mm -hmm. and there that are vegan and that have been here for a while that have a huge community but it's still very like you have to go searching for it right it's not mm -hmm. promoted in the sense of like um it's self-promotion obviously that community is very proud of what they're doing and proud of um the diet veganism and what it stands for but it's it's just not you know still not mainstreamly popular mm -hmm. and i think that representation matters right like um vegan community is definitely a small one but even the community like it feels like a lot of vegans who are people of color have also been disenfranchised from veganism itself. It's like this suburban white mom look has sort of taken over, right? So I do think it's really important to support businesses that are out there doing this work and it's not a new fad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been around yeah. for a long time. Um, but it also just matters that, that where veganism comes from isn't forgotten. I think that's a really important piece that it shouldn't be whitewashed. Um, particularly in Atlanta, there's um, a whole bunch of different community events. They have a food truck event Monday evenings where it's Meatless Mondays. All these different uh, vegan restaurants, vegan vegetarians are all in the same place and you can kind of test out a whole bunch, which is always great to learn about new ones. There's a whole bunch of bakeries in this area that are vegan. It has a very strong vegan community. It's just one that you have to sort of take that first dive into mm -hmm. looking for it and then you stumble across all these great places that 
it'll definitely keep you trying new ones for a long time. So for us, it was just a really important topic for us to spend a bit of time researching where veganism comes from. I mean, if you've been listening, you know this is episode 26, and so we've been doing this um, this podcast for, what, six, six months? months now, yeah. <laughs> um, and we've been vegan a bit longer than that. So it's something we jumped into but really didn't understand the history, um, and we're very fortunate to be in a city where there are lots of vegan restaurants and lots of community around that where we can definitely mm-hmm. jump in and, and be involved when restrictions are lifted and all that <laughs> but it's it's just important for us to understand that history and understand how we present our side of our our version of veganism right how we do it and mm-hmm. just make sure that we're we are representing the true history of where veganism comes from and, and aren't trying to support that sort of whitewashing right of yeah. it i mean obviously we are who we are we can't change that but hopefully going through this episode and sort of explaining the history the last week's episode again that history and how it's uh, come about what veganism is now we're helping other people understand it and and doing that research ourselves. and we'll we'll keep researching and every now and then might share another article about this topic um, and bring in another discussion point but it's just something we thought was important to research ourselves but also share with anyone else yeah i agree and and as we kind of conclude this episode it is important to understand where things come from just because it's a fad or famous in the news now, it doesn't mean that those are the right roots that it came from. So I think that's important for us to really celebrate the, you know, kind of the lineage of this diet as much as how much we enjoy, you know, one, the food um, we've, we've loved and two, being a part of a community that is overly supportive and, and really, you know, once you get into it, it, it's just such a great community to be a part of. So uh, I think we're excited to learn more and once, you know, restrictions lift, to really be a part of and flourish within that community. So with that, that's the episode for this week. Uh, If you are interested in seeing what we're doing, we have a blog and we also do pictures on Instagram. You can find both at consume for good. The website is at consumeforgood.com. And uh, next week we have another great episode planned for you. So we're really excited. Yeah. See you then.